Uh, this is podcast 318, entitled Come On, Dad. And um, it must be important because um, I've recorded it now three times, and it hasn't quite been right um, for different, one for a technical reason, one for a length reason, and one for a tone reason. It wasn't quite right, so it must be, <coughs> it must be important that, that I get this right because I usually... try to take things on the first uh, go because that's usually the one that comes from the heart. But this is from the heart and I'm now going to consider it a first go. And it's called Come On Dad because it actually goes back to something that my son David did for me when I was in a point of real rejection. And um, the podcast is on the subject of rejection and the kind of phosphorus character that rejection has. Remember in podcast 315 I talked about connection and how when you look at your life there are certain points of connection with an individual or with a wonderful work environment or with a period of creativity and excitement often it's a relationship of some kind when the power of the connection was so great that it's like phosphorus that is it has a long life it stays bright and when you look back over your life it's a, it's like looking down over a city when you're flying over it you see the points of light and you see the concentrations of light which show where a city is centered and the same is true of these moments of connection. Well, now I'm going to talk about the Kehrseite, as the Germans say, the, the obverse side, the other side of the coin, the phosphorus of rejection. And rejection seems to me, the more I think about it, as almost a, a core, um, not almost, as core to human development. That is to say, the core blockage. The core hurt. Uh, Mary and I are getting ready to do a class at Paula White's Parish, a City of Destiny in Apopka, Florida, brief but important to us, to me, four-week class um, at 6 o'clock to 6.45 on Wednesday evenings um, before the prayer meeting there uh, on Wednesdays on March 31st and the four successive Wednesdays. And the title of the class is Caring for People in Pain. And I see as I look about pain myself and pain in others, I see the phenomenon the of the reaction and response to rejection, which is just lethal as um, a core, I use that word, but it's the an anchored problem in human growth and hope. And that's what this podcast is about. And I take it back to the song of which you heard an excerpt at the beginning by the English, quote, New Wave group, um, ABC. I think it's from about 1987, called When Smokey Sings. Because after I had left one 
job for another during intense period of conflict in the denomination I was serving, and still do. Uh, after an intense period of conflict in which the victors had proven to be very un... Um, they weren't like Andrew Johnson, you know, or Abraham Lincoln. They were pretty um, harsh uh, victors uh, for those who had, um, were the minority who lost. And I've um, took another job, having been deeply wounded by the majority. With the minority, I took a job in hopes of sustaining and growing and helping that point of view about Christianity to continue and to strengthen, and I suddenly found myself rejected by that group. In other words, I'd gone from one the frying pan into the fire and found myself with a double double whammy within one year. And all of a sudden, what I thought had been, a, you know, kind of a Dunkirk getting out of, you know, getting out of Dunkirk to to uh, Southampton, England, you know, on a boat and miraculously making it out of this terrible situation. I um, I uh, it wasn't Dunkirk. It was, uh, I, it was as bad as what I had left. In some ways, it was worse because it was more personal. It was highly personal. <clears throat> it had to do with things that I couldn't understand. Apparently, my theology, but or grace, but that's another chapter. So um, I'm at a meeting of Episcopal Seminary Deans in um, Southeast Florida in what turns out to be the Camphorn Conference Center of the diocese is in a mostly Jewish residential area. I say that because I find myself on a walk I had a little time at the start of the conference, and I was really desperately unhappy and rejected. And I went into a very nice, popular Jewish deli in order to sandwich and had a nice time. And I sat down, and then all of a sudden, over the speakers came, When Smokey Sings by ABC. And it immediately connoted hope and actuality. The hope was um, that the old self, you know, the Paul who loved the Eurythmics and who'd with Mary had been to the very first American concert of Frankie Goes to Hollywood and who'd actually been present five rows behind when Chrissy Hine during an early Pretenders concert got mad at a guy in the front row and got off the stage in the middle of the song and punched him out and actually knocked him out right there on the floor and we were but that was the thing we loved movies and rock and roll and all the things that made life fun and joyful and exuberant to me at least let alone things from our past of that nature and um here i was in a slough of despond and rejection and the song brought the lilt and the violins, I hear violins of hope. And it also attached itself indelibly to my memories because forever after when I hear that song, I am right back there. I am back in that deli at a moment of real, real stress. I had three or four moments of keen stress in my ministry, most of them self-created, but this didn't feel self-created. Maybe it was, but it didn't feel it. It felt really deeply unfair on every level. And I was so upset. And so disappointed and so really at the lowest ebb, like diminished. And then this song. So um, what I want to say is something happened very soon after that that was very touching. And it's how um, rejection is turned into hope. It, rejection is turned into hope by means of empathy, sympathy, and acceptance. The rejection, without some form of uh, contravening or, um, you might say, uh, opposite, acceptance is embittering and creates a life to the very end. You die bitter. I've known many people. I've, been, I've known more people who died bitter than died content, though I've known some people that died contented. I hope to be one of those, but I've known much more the other. I've seen it again and again, and I write about it in my book, my Boomer Handbook that came out from Mockingbird. But um, so um, 
I get a CD in the mail. We today would call it a burned CD. It was a playlist that our son, my son, David, who is now a young adult, but not as old as he is now by a long time, I mean, not in midlife or anything like that, a, a young adult, he'd understood that I was in a very painful way, and he made a playlist and burned a disc, and the brilliantly written on it was the word, Come on, Dad, part one. I love the fact that he said it was part one. Come on, Dad. Um, and um, then he had a list of songs that he knew I loved. started out with Help! by the Beatles, which was perfect. And then in, somewhere in there, he got Quintessence by Squeeze, which is one of my favorite songs that I could never find. And somehow he got it. There it was. And then he did Rod Stewart's live cover of Baby, I'm Amazed, with that incredible intro that I often quote by Rod Stewart to McCartney's song. And I was so touched that this uh, son of mine had, had taken the time to think it through and had sent me a playlist that he'd called, Come On, as in, Come On, Dad, We Love You. Come On, Dad, It's Not So Bad. Come On, Dad, Here's Hope. And it was incredibly powerful. And um, so that's what I want to really talk about briefly, the power of, uh, of rejection and the power of love in the midst of rejection. And this is, um, Paula often says, rightly so, I think, that, um, you know, you have to say, you have to, you have to bid goodbye. You have to say goodbye to the rejection or to the rejecting person in order to get the hello that God wants to send you. And I find in matters of rejection, God is almost always ready and immediately looking to find, to give you a, a, a compensatory and usually much better acceptance. Uh, the person who didn't love you exits your life and, you know, proved to be not loving, proved to really not like you. That always happens in, often in unfaithfulness in marriages. Uh, what, what, what did this say? What were they saying to me when they did this, for whatever reason? And it's, uh, that's why it's so difficult, because um, if you really, you can bear anything in a relationship, but if they actually don't like you or don't love you, there's nothing you can do. That's the core. Um, I'm married to someone, fortunately, who I really feel deeply to my soul. I believe to my soul. You know, the animal song um, loves me. And uh, I feel very, very deeply loved by Mary and uh, at the deepest level. And that is an extraordinarily powerful antidote to the hopelessness of rejection, whether it's rejection in a, in a work relationship, rejection in a career thing, whatever it is. And, that's, and you, you can do anything if someone loves you, if someone really loves you especially from a man's point of view, if a woman really loves you, you can do almost anything. And I think the same is true. If a woman feels truly loved by a man, she can really climb every mountain. And uh, with the Christian faith, it is extraordinarily um, important that um, God uh, has not rejected us. He is the friend of sinners. It, gosh, it upsets me when I see the church um, completely failing to be the place of love and acceptance that it has to be for sinners, a house of sinners. The, what uh, Tullian and Stacey's Tavidian never tire of saying, and their message is so important and so powerful. No matter what you've done, God still has a future. And our churches, our mainline churches, don't treat clergy that way. They have all sorts of canons, some of them very new, that are unforgiving. And they may have all sorts of jur juridical and insurance company and even just uh, rationale. But compassion and grace and love for sinners is very rarely among them. Love for sinners really is contrary to uh, revenge and uh, justice in the human sense in the Christian world. And um, 
So I am so touched to remember, again, I'm mentioning Paula, but she simply embodies something important for you. I had gone forward a couple times at these power nights that we had before COVID, and which I hope we'll restore soon enough. And um, I think I'd gone twice for something, and uh, for whatever reason, I was sort of a broken record. And the third night, I went, I'd sort of forgotten that I'd gone forward. Uh, and the third time, a third month, I went forward, and I, I could, uh, late, on, retro, on reflection, I realized that she was saying to herself, why does this guy keep coming forward? He must, hasn't he, I prayed for him. God is, uh, what's, what's wrong with this? What's wrong with this situation that, that um, he, he doesn't seem, nothing has shifted. Now that you may say, oh yes, blaming the, blaming the victim. No, no, no. She was absolutely right. Something hadn't really clicked. I'd gone forward and if something was, something was not working and it seemed a little like, you know, if you don't succeed, you know, the little engine that could kind of, but this is how she handled it. She didn't lecture me. I went forward and as she stopped in the praying for the many different needy and painful sufferers there, she put her uh, hands on my shoulders and looked in very strongly into me, to my face with a, what I felt was the eyes of Jesus Christ. And she said, Dr. Paul, I'm going to try right now, I'm going to pray to be able to feel what you feel. Now, she knew that I was dealing with a, a spirit of rejection. This was a rejection based on my career and my ministry and my life. I felt that the what I'd, all that I'd tried to do had been rejected. That's what I felt. It may not be true. It isn't, it isn't actually true, but I felt it. Maybe you can identify. I felt it. And she, I'm going to, I'm going to, right now, right here, I'm going to endeavor to feel what you feel. And then she waited, and it was long. It was, there was a, it was a long, it was like four minutes. I mean, I, you know, that's a long time when you're in a public situation like that. It seemed like forever. But as she did, I was very, I felt something's happening. She was feeling what I was feeling. Remember that song by Peter Frampton? Do you feel like I feel? Uh, from 1974, 75, 76. Um, but it was extraordinary. It was a little bit like Ellen Burstyn in that movie from the 70s that Jim Monroe preached so powerfully about once. Uh, I think it was called Resurrection, but I can't remember. But Ellen Burstyn plays a healer into whose body the cancer of a very afflicted sick woman is transferred during a period of the laying on of hands. It was a sort of secular view of what Paula was doing. And the, the Ellen Burstyn actually becomes an old woman. She takes on the pain, a sallow, cancer-riddled older woman and the other woman is, is healed. And I thought to myself, golly, this is what's happening. And I, I sensed it. I sensed that the, the, the rejection was being transferred to the pastor. And, uh, and then she prayed a prayer and I went home and I, I, I did feel something had shifted. Something had shifted and it was important. Well, I say that because um, that's what really has to happen. We have to see that the most powerful thread, the phosphorus thread of our lives is the thread of rejection and our um, displaced or even not displaced reaction to it, which is always hurt, pain, bitterness, loss, despair, deep, deep, um, uh, what's the word? A sense of shadow. Rejection is an incredibly dark shadow over our lives, and um, it's got to be dealt with. And it's dealt with by people who love. Like when uh, David Zoll sent me "Come On, Dad," the CD that I still have the exact copy of. I mean, I have not burned it to another CD. I hold on to his and Mary very powerfully, frequently, and. Uh, the God we worship, who does not 
reject. And when that is really felt and experienced and assimilated, and you might even say engendered, that um, conquers the rejection. And that's really all I have to say. This is a short podcast um, because the others have been too long. The others uh, drafts of this. I want to conclude with a song about rejection. Uh, it may be a somber way to end it, but it's one of the great 45s of the 60s. One of the great 45s by the DC5, the Dave Clark 5. But listen to the final line. Listen to the final line of this remarkable, uh, accessible single to understand the completely disturbing, catastrophically upending effect of rejection. And then stop. Look at your own rejections from the past or the chief one, whether it's at work or whether it's with a friend or whether it's a man or a woman or a child or a parent, an adoptive child, a parent who rejected you. Um, And stop and wait. And there is a hello as you say, or as you feel, and as you're able to truly feel the goodbye. Thank you so much.